0: Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. I'm Mike Slater from the
1: podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse.
0: Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Stand up for your country. You know, I'm a simple man, simple guy, and I like it that way. Uh, so I have a very simple analysis of this whole Speaker of the House deal yesterday and the repercussions and on and on and on and on. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So the headline is the big victory for the Democratic Party. That's the headline. Um, because the Democrats, once again, have showed cohesion. They stick together no matter what. And that's the message of the day. And I hope every day when you get up, you go to BillOReilly.com and read the message. It's free. It's all of that. So when you have a party that's just not going to deviate, that really doesn't have any uh, intention of cooperating with the other party, that's the Republican Party, and vice versa to some extent, um, you have power. And I was on a Hannity broadcast uh, radio show today, and I said that this stems from Nancy Pelosi. Because Pelosi, when she was speaker, basically said to all of the House members who were Democrats, if you don't follow what I say, you're not getting a dime for your reelection campaign from the political action committees that I control. That was it. All right. You went against Nancy. You got no money. So <laughs> they all Stepped into line, which they did yesterday. Nobody voted for Speaker McCarthy to retain his position on the Democratic side, which was crazy because McCarthy was trying to broker a consensus in some cases. All right. Democrats threw him over the side and eight Republicans did as well, as you know. So the Republican Party looks weaker than the Democrats to the people watching, the independent people. Now, one of the reasons is there is no leader of the Republican Party. As I said yesterday, Donald Trump's not a leader of the Republican Party. He's not even a Republican. I mean, he's running on a Republican ticket, but he's a populist and he has embraced traditional tenets. The MAGA people are traditional conservatives, so he gives them what they expect. And they're loyal to him. But he doesn't know the history of the Republican Party. He doesn't know all of that. He's not ingrained in that. And when I hear Trump Speaker of the House, I go, come on. (laughs) Look, if Donald Trump were to say, look, I'd like to be Speaker of the House, there'd have to be a vote in the House to make that happen. Every Republican would have to vote for Donald Trump. And every Republican would not. They wouldn't. There are House members on the GOP side that don't like Trump. So Trump would get humiliated. He's not going to put himself up for that vote ever. He doesn't want the job anyway. So when I hear this, I just go, you know, I don't want to be arrogant, supercilious, but I go, you just don't know anything. Anyway, um, the eight Republicans who voted to oust McCarthy are conservative people, and they want to stop government spending. That's noble. Okay, no government spending wildly out of control because the Democratic Party buys votes. Everybody knows that. And they're not going to stop. But at this point in history, there's no way the Republicans can do anything about it. Yeah, you could pass legislation in the House to stop spending, cut spending by 30, 40 percent. But guess who's going to veto it? (laughs) Guess who's going to veto it? Does the name Joe Biden mean anything to you? It's not happening. The only way it could happen is in 13 months for the American people to give Republicans power in both houses of Congress and the presidency. Then you, the Republicans would cut. But to you know, put a symbolic bill up, that, like Matt Gates wants to do, uh, and the House would pass it by one or two votes, OK. But then what? Nothing. Nothing happens. So McCarthy loses his job because he didn't want to be put in that position to shut the government down. I I just I thought McCarthy, I'm not a political guy like that, but I thought he did a decent job. I mean, there's no reason for him to lose his position. So getting back to the leadership of the Republican Party, the strongest leader the GOP has had in my lifetime is Newt Gingrich. He was almost terrifying as Speaker of the House. He is so angry today, roll the tape. From my position as a longtime Republican activist, they're traitors. All eight of them should in fact be primaried. They should all be driven out of public life. What they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos. We ought to be focusing on Biden. We ought to be focusing on the economy. We ought to be focusing on the border. Instead, you're gonna get a week or 10 days of the media focusing on Republican disarray. Absolutely true. What he said, absolutely true. Okay, long-term, doesn't really matter, okay, for the next year, because the Republicans control the House. So it's Jim Jordan uh, versus Steve Scalise. Both men want to be speaker. Um, I don't know who's going to win. I, I don't, I'm not in there. I don't know. I don't know about Scalise's health. I, I just don't. I can't make any calls on that. But there'll be a new speaker fairly soon, and um, things will go on the way they're going. But all this did not have to happen. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer.
1: Hey, guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere.
0: All right. President Biden today did nothing as usual. Uh, he uh, delivered an update on canceling uh, more student debt. So the federal government is saying that 126,000 Americans who borrowed money from the feds, not private, from the feds, uh, they owe $9 billion. With a wave of the pen, Biden says you don't have to pay it back. Who has to pay it back? Well, it just goes to the debt. So the government will borrow money to cover the $9 billion, And the debt will go up. $34 billion right now. Trillion right now. I can't even say the words. The debt's $34 trillion. That is Biden. Ah, yeah, I like this. Anyway, um, this caught my eye. So there's a website called OpenTheBooks.com, and it looks at government spending. OpenTheBooks, one word, dot And according to Government Accountability Office under Biden, the feds have spent $3 billion on furniture. <laughs> furniture. Office furniture. $3 billion. Federal government spent. Office furniture. Um, okay. They got, I guess they're not going to that. What is that Swedish, Danish place? Kia, Ikea, something like that. (laughs) Three billion bucks on furniture. Southern border is getting worse. Uh, This is an astounding statistic. In the last two years under Biden, more than a ton of hard drugs has been seized by the feds at the border. A ton, more than a ton. And, you know, heroin and, and fentanyl and meth, they don't weigh that much. I mean, you've you got to stack it. And it's estimated that maybe the authorities stopped 20, 25%. So 75% of the drugs, the illegal drugs, get in. So wherever you are in America, there's no problem getting hard drugs. You can get them. There's guys selling them. No problem. In liberal states, the people who sell them don't get punished. Kill you, sell them poison, Yeah, it's OK. It's all right. So this is the result of the open border. When you have the millions of people coming across, some of those people are carrying narcotics. This is the way it is, all right? So that's number one. Mexican violence is now coming to America. Not that we need more violence here, but listen to this. Homicide rate in Mexico. 25 per 100,000 residents, 25. You know what it is for the USA? Eight. So Mexico is three times as violent in the homicide area as the USA. And finally, Homeland Security investigators uh, tell us that the cartels who smuggle the migrants in, the people smugglers, are going to make more than $13 billion this year by smuggling people into the United States. All of this is on Joe Biden's resume. No one else responsible but him. Mayorkas is a puppet. Mayorkas does what he's told, but Biden, the Biden administration is telling Mayorkas what to do, which is nothing. Don't do anything, just sit there. Them all come across with all the drugs. So I looked around, I get somebody to analyze this with me. And as you know, my solution is an executive order for a year that Biden would sign today that says no more asylum requests because we got to take care of this chaos that we have created. Biden will never do it in a million years, but that's how you would stop it, or at least most of it, in a very short period of time. So uh, Mike Baker is with us, a former CIA operations officer. He knows the world very well. He has a new uh, podcast on the FIRST TV, Daily Brief. And he comes to us from Boise, Idaho. There's a lot of a lot of CIA guys up in Idaho, I understand, right? It's kind of like rural out there and you guys do what you can uh, do.
2: It, it's good living. It's good living. And it's a it's a CIA relocation program. So when you leave the agency, they, they give you a bus ticket to come to Idaho.
0: There's a lot of interesting characters in Idaho, isn't that for sure? All right. So my executive order, that makes sense to you, I'm sure, right?
2: It does, but much like you know, what you said during your talking points memo about other issues, it's, and as you pointed out, it's not going to happen. This is a perfect example. What's happening at the border is a perfect example of a self-inflicted wound. Right? It, 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 as you pointed out with the <laughs> ousting of the speaker, the border situation didn't have to happen this way. Right? But if you ask the cartel leaders in Mexico, if you got them all in a room together, you know, before you blew that room up. But if you got them in a room together and you said, you know, what would make your job easier? What would increase your profits? They would all say, lighten up the security at the border. And that's what's happened. And so it's no surprise that the cartels are now making more money than they've ever made before. And that's off of human trafficking and and drugs primarily.
0: And they're killing more people than they ever had before. So the murder comes along with it. So the Biden administration comes in day one, knocks out remaining in Mexico policy that stopped 80% of the illegal migration and the asylum into the United States. That was in Trump's last year, he, he got that done. Yeah. Why do you think President Biden knocked that out and opened up the border?
2: Well, I think there was, there was immediately this, this idea that anything that the previous administration, the Trump administration had done, we've got to reverse, right? and it was a knee-jerk reaction on several fronts, including the border. But reversing Trump-era policy on the border just happened to have the most significant impact on the average American in terms of the increase in drugs being moved into the United States, the increase in violence, uh, it's the, the demand on city resources. Look, you know it's bad. You know the situation is bad. When Eric Adams, the Democrat mayor of New York City, is now in Mexico and will eventually end up at the Darien Gap, which is a, a, you know, a key part of the, the route that most of the immigrants are taking to get up to the border and then into the United States. So, you know, it's bad when there are some Democrats now complaining to the White House and putting pressure on the White House to say, look, this is, you know, they're admitting it's in our backyard now and it's ridiculous. You have to do something
0: but I still don't know why. Now, the CIA does not operate in the United States. It's not allowed to, but certainly knows what's going on in Mexico, because Mexico is the biggest threat to us right now. CIA knows that. The CIA would know if you open the border up for anybody who is claiming asylum, anybody, and then you allow them in, and five years down the road, maybe you adjudicate their asylum request, you're going to have millions of people take advantage of that. That's not a tough analysis for a CIA person. OK, but that's no, exactly it's, it's exactly what happened. But I'm still trying to get it. The CIA director, the current one, must have told Biden that. Right. The people must have said right. this is cause and effect. You do this. This is what's going to happen. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Look, why, the Biden why administration, Biden the people, do people in the Biden- No, they're they're, they're not stupid people in the White House. We shouldn't make that mistake. So they do hear it, and they are getting this advice. They're getting it from a variety of different agencies, not just the agency in terms of, you know, open borders or, you know, the the next best thing to open borders uh, are a threat to national security. Look, in in September, as an example, in September, there were 260,000 encounters at the southern border. 260,000, right? That is bigger than the population of, of uh, Laredo, Texas. So that's we've, we've added an entire town. Those are just the individuals that are encountered. We have no idea. We can extrapolate numbers, but it's a guess. We have no idea how many gotaways there are. And we have no idea, therefore, how many individuals are coming across the border that are threatening to our national security interests, right? Potential okay, but terrorists we all, we
0: and others. all. Know, we know all of that. We still don't know why Biden is doing it. Why is Biden doing it?
2: Yeah, I, you know what, if I, if I could get inside Biden's mind, I, well, admittedly, I'd want to leave. But if I could do that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, is the answer. I suspect, in part, uh, there was this knee-jerk reaction. If Trump closed the border, it must be bad. So therefore, we must do the opposite. But there yeah. are Democrats who do believe that closing the border or having border security uh, is racist in some fashion, anti-immigrant. Yeah. Right? Look, every nation, every nation closes its borders and worries about its borders, protects its borders. I mean, try moving into Mexico. Try going illegally into Mexico and getting a work permit. It's never going to happen, right? But the U.S. is the one country that seems to apologize when we talk about protecting our borders and understanding the far who's progressive
0: up. movement, I mean, they're behind it. Okay, tell me about the uh, Daily Brief on the first TV. What are you doing there, Mike?
2: Sure, it's, uh, it's called the President's Daily Brief. And the idea is, much like with the PDB that goes to the White House every morning from the intel community, it's just the top line. The, the, the top issues of the day around the globe, we provide just the facts, a little bit of context, and then we get out and you get on your way. So maybe 20 minutes every morning during the week, uh, a new episode hits, We'll tell you what's going on in the world that you should keep an eye on, something that maybe hasn't hit the radar yet and you need to focus on. Uh, We'll put a little context in there and then you're off and you're informed and you can start your day.
0: That sounds good, Mike. We really appreciate your expertise. Uh, We are seen on the first TV as well. So we're uh, like brothers in arms now. And uh, whenever you see something that's a danger to national security, because you're in the world, let us know because we want to stay ahead of the curve here. Mike Baker, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, let's go to Boston, my second home. So Boston has managed to keep its crime situation fairly under control. One of the reasons is it's a segregated city. Um, The minority communities are in certain areas, and that is most cities. But in Boston, it's very pronounced. And um, Boston's not a large city. It's not like Chicago. All right. And and so the police, Boston police, are able to uh, keep the mayhem contained or at least have been to this point. So they established the Boston Regional Intelligence Center, BRIC. Okay, And what BRIC does is sends undercovers in to ferret out violence. So violent gangs would be their targets. Terrorism. Remember the Boston Massacre thing? Everybody knows Boston Massacre. Boston Marathon and and the terrorism. That's what BRIC does. But it needs money from the city council. City Council Boston said, no, seven to five. Why? Because the seven loons are just what we talked about uh, on the border. Oh, no, you're going to target blacks and Hispanics. Though we're not going to give you the money. Okay, no evidence to back that up. Just, they believe, these seven. Public safety, ah, we want to be woke, right? Public safety, we don't care. No violence, ah, even though blacks and Hispanics are killed at a higher rate than whites, we want to woke. We're noble. Boston, there you go. Life expectancy in the USA, this comes from a Washington Post study released yesterday. Uh, is the lowest it's been uh, since the mid-1990s. So you can expect to live to be 76 years old here, Okay, Um, That means I'm checking out fairly soon. Uh, In 2014, you could expect to live to 79. So it's dropped um, three points, three years. That's pretty astounding. So, and they break it down along racial lines. Native Americans, 65 years. That's alcohol and things like that impugning Native Americans. Black Americans, 71. White, 76. Hispanic, 78. Asian, 84. It's diet. That's what this is. So in 1990, 12% of all American adults were considered obese, grossly overweight. Now the number is 42%. It's diet This is what's killing everybody. So this study says that people are dying most from heart disease, liver disease, cancer and diabetes. OK? They don't get into drugs here, although my theory is, and it's just a theory that if you are taking hard drugs, that's going to crush your immune system, and you're going to be more than likely to acquire any of the other diseases. An enormous amount of Americans take drugs. Enormous more than any other country on the face of the earth. So anyway, we're down three years in life expectancy. If you are eating and drinking a lot of sugar, that's killer number one, sugar. If you are, you look around, you know what you're eating and drinking. Read the label on the iced tea that you throw into your mouth. You're doing that, you're going to live fewer years than if you don't do it. I'm talking generally now, but that's the truth.
1: subscribe to the truth podcast today on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
0: so the pope is scolding america this is an interesting story so pope francis is a liberal theologian theologian, all right i like him he's a good guy a kind guy he lives a humble life he doesn't live in the vatican chambers he lives in an apartment Uh, i know his background in argentina i was down there when he was a bishop of Buenos Aires. I was in Argentina in the Falkland War years, um, and I, I like him, but he's a liberal man. And he believes in climate change. So he writes a, an encyclical, 7,000 words, called La Date Diem, Praise God. All right, that's Latin, of course. I'm an old altar boy. I, I know what that is. And the uh, encyclical scolds America. Here's the quote. If we consider that emissions per individual in the United States are about two times greater than those of individuals living in China, and about seven times greater than the average of the poorest countries, we can state that a broad change in the irresponsible lifestyle connected with the Western model would have a significant long-term impact on climate change. Okay, but that's not really fair, because China puts way more emissions into the atmosphere the United States does through its coal plants and, and pollution. You know, go to Shanghai, Pope Francis, take a look. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't go to Shanghai because the communists wouldn't let you in. Um, so that, when he gets involved with politics, the Pope, it flies out the window, in my humble opinion. When he stays on theological matters, He supports him. And remember, if you are a Roman Catholic, the Pope is only infallible when he talks on theology, not politics. You know, I don't think he's got a grasp of real life, my opinion. I could be wrong. Love to interview him. Love to interview him. Starbucks closing seven San Francisco stores so the homeless people can't drink uh, Starbucks. Um, they say it's not because of the homeless in a vile. Oh, no, no, no. Of course not. Uh, they're going to open some new locations, though, they say. San Francisco is a shell now. Smart life. Smartphones. All right. Where is my phone? So today I got a little uh, thing from the federal government. You got it, too. A little emergency thing on this smartphone. Everybody's got one, right? So, there is a study out of the University of Surrey in England, 800 participants, and they look at your relationship with your phone. And this is what they found casual users of the phone, 15%. They go online for specific tasks, they don't linger around. That's me. Okay, I need to look something up bang, 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 bang. Very helpful to me. But I'm not surfing or cruising, I'm not doing that. So I'm in that group. Uh, Initial users, 23%. They are kind of cruising around in there, a little more than they would like to. Experimenters, 22%. These are the people who really know all the dark web and where everything is. They can find anything for you, 22%. Average age, 24 years old. Uh, And they feel uneasy when they're not connected. When they don't have the phone in their hand, these people kind of get nervous. All right. That's the third category. Fourth category, addicts in denial, 18%. These are people who can't stay away from the phone, have to be on it, but they won't admit it, that they're addicts. And then outright addicts, 22%. They openly acknowledge they are addicted to the internet and they recognize as a negative impact on their lives on their jobs, on their interpersonal relationships. They don't pay attention to their kids. They don't pay attention to their pets. It's all this, 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 So that's a pretty interesting study, I thought. Smart life, why am I doing it there? Because you can't let anything addict you. You can't. So there's a Robert Palmer song, Addicted to Love. Remember that? I love Robert Palmer, by the way, the late Robert Palmer. And any kind of an addiction will hurt you. Because other things in your life will suffer. And this is so powerful, the cell smartphone thing. I mean, the kids, they're just and it, we told you yesterday, UK has banned them now in all schools, even in uh, recess time. Can't have a smartphone if you're in a public school in Great Britain anymore. And you got to do that. So I don't know what category you're in on a cell phone thing, but if it's too much, back away. Just put it away, you can do it, this day in history. So yesterday we told you about Father Knows Best, okay? The sitcom 1954, this is contemporary history, okay? And Father Knows Best came in and everybody saw for the first time the nuclear family, okay? We went over that. Three years later, guess who shows up? Beaver Cleaver, go.
2: You're gonna be expelled out of the second grade? Who gave you that crazy idea?
1: Miss Cantil gave me a note to take home. A note? What's in it? I don't know. It's a note, all right. There's a lot of writing in there. Why didn't you give it to mom? I'm scared of what's in it. But you don't know what's in it. That's what I'm (laughs) scared.
0: All right. Icons, right? Leave it to beaver. Any baby boomer knows. So why was this show? And I'll give you the, you know, it, uh, 234 episodes, six years on the air, ABC, uh, ended it. And I think it was on CBS to begin. Um, and now there's still beaver cleaver jokes, leave it to beaver jokes. So why? It was the normalcy of the sitcom. They were dysfunctional. And then they had this great character, Eddie Haskell, for the first time, a wise guy teenager. I loved Eddie Haskell. I mean, he was Beaver, ah, Wally, Ooh. but I loved Eddie. All right. So what happened to these people? Jerry Mathers is still alive, 75, has three kids. Tony Dow died uh, in 2022 at 77. You got a lot of got a lot of uh, publicity when he died. Again, that's a baby boomers thing. The mom, Barbara Billingsley, she died at age 94. All right, Hugh Baumann, the father, died at age 72 from a heart attack. And Eddie Askell, Ken Osman, he died in 2020, age 76. So Leave It to Beaver debuted uh, in 1957. And I, I was seven years old and I'm watching the thing going, oh, that's Beaver. But Eddie, my man. Back with mail and a final thought that you are going to want to hear. This final thought is riveting. Back in a moment. All right, let's go to the mail. Uh, Donna. Matt Getz stood up and faced all of those congressmen down. He went toe to toe with them. One every single time. He had quick and intelligent responses to each of them. All right, so Donna's a Matt Gates fan. This is another Donna. Okay, we have one Donna who likes Gates. another Donna, concierge member, direct access to me. I'm very weary of Republicans who can't get their acts together. Why can't Republicans take a page in the Democrats' playbook, go behind closed doors, park their overheated egos at the door, close rank, do what is right for the country and the American people? I don't know why. Perhaps because they have no leader. Maybe that's why. Patricia, timing is everything. Truly, there is no room for personal vendetta within a party that wants to win the hearts and votes of the people. Ask Liz Cheney how that one worked out. I think Matt Goetz is going to regret what he did, but that's just a guess. We'll see. Andrew, concierge member, Democrats don't have any standards of moral scruples. Every Democrat, Andrew, no good ones. They always vote in block no matter what. What bothers me about voting in block to House McCarthy is that he made concessions with the Dems to get spending bills passed. That's right. But the Democrats in the House are afraid, very, very afraid. Ray Apfel, Los Angeles, California. I thought for changes to be brought, there had to be standing On behalf of a claimant, I'm not aware of any lenders, insurers complaining about Donald Trump in New York City. So why is this case going forward? Because the attorney general says New York State is complaining. The people of New York State. Trump somehow offended them or hurt them. That's why this is a witch hunt. Did I tell you the story yesterday? If I didn't know, I'm sorry to be repetitive. So I said to a Trump guy, can every time Donald Trump says the words witch hunt, can he hold up killing the witches, please? My book. That would be really good publicity because it's the same thing. It's what we're getting into in the book. Jeff Federico, Coventry, Rhode Island. Hey, Bill, why don't you have Tony Bobolinsky on your program? Because he's been interviewed before. He said what he's going to say. Why would I want him to say the same thing? OK, I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know what Bobolinsky and Hunter Biden did with Joe Biden. So I can't challenge. You know, you can't do an interview unless you know what happened. And I don't. Now, Bobolinsky's is going to go before the House impeachment inquiry, I understand. And maybe if he says something different, then I would have a basis of an interview. But, you know, just don't put people on to spout what we already know. Roberta Stenelin, Jayton, Texas, Gavin Newsom has a lot of gall searching out a state for the perfect black lesbian to take Feinstein's office because blacks are a very small percentage of California. Why not Hispanics? Why not the best qualified person, whether it's black, straight, lesbian, Hispanic, Asian or white? Why don't we do that? No because we have to have equity. We have to have, um, you know, preferences. Beverly Baldzell, Portland, Oregon, who has increased the national debt more, Trump or Biden? Biden. Okay. But Trump was a big spender. No doubt about it. Frank Adams, Germantown, Tennessee. Bill, I picked up uh, Killing the Witches yesterday. Finished it just now. You and Martin Dugard did an excellent job of bringing history to life. Well, we always do, don't we? I think so. 13 Killing Books, the most successful non-fiction book series in the world, on the planet. Boy, I want to think about that. It's just mind-boggling. So Killing the Witches um, sold 100,000 copies in the first week. We're very happy with that. But a lot of people still don't know what it is. And so we have an excerpt posted for you, Free on billoreilly.com and it's about 1692 20 individuals being murdered by clerics and crazy people in salem and now we have the witch hunt back till we go to modern times in the book that's what it is we hope you will consider it and uh if you're looking for a great deal we still have fall madness killing the legends killing the killers and any mug of your choice 49.95 OK, so this is a fabulous. $42.95, $42, not nine, $42.95. Come back to me. So here's the Team Normal Mug, OK? This is really, really, this mug will last you the rest of your life. Classy. You get this with the two books for $42.95. So if you've got to give gifts coming up, let's get on it, people. Now, if you become a premium or a concierge member on Bill O'Reilly.com, you get Killing Witches or any of the other killing books free. You get your choice free. And uh, word of the day, do not be callow, C-A-L-L-O-W. Oh, I love that word. You're callow. What? So don't be callow when writing to me. Bill at Bill O'Reilly.com, Bill at BillO'Reilly.com. Name in town, still getting some mail with no names in towns. You got to give me your name in town. I got to know you're a real human being back with a final thought that might amuse you in a moment okay here is the final thought of the day so tonight i am flying to london england all right so i always fly to europe at night because i can go to sleep and then i wake up and they give you a little english breakfast and then you're there flying it's about six hours over there i think um i got a good book Um, I'm going to finish it before I give it a plug. Uh, and then I'm off to Oxford, where uh, my son is uh, playing lacrosse and studying. So the Oxford lacrosse team waxed Bath today, because they're five hours ahead, 13 to 4. OK? So my son is number 10 up there in a the corner. And uh, I got to see how my money's being spent over here in old Oxford. <laughs> see how he's, every time I call him, oh, everything's great. And I'm looking at the bills coming, I'm, ooh, I, you know, but I got to see what the lay of the land is. Now, I did the same thing he's doing. So way, way back in 1969, I was at the University of London. And uh, it took me 30 days to get adjusted to the English lifestyle. Thirty days, a little homesick, and it was a little food was horrible, um, but after that, it was a blast. All right, and it took my kid about two weeks, but now that the lacrosse thing is humming, so he's in on that, and he, he's. I think he's in a good place. But anyway, so I'm going to go to Oxford, and I am. I have been there before. I've been all over England, but I'm going to take a little Cotswolds jaunt. One of the nicest. Uh, places in Great Britain, the Cotswolds and nice little, I like all that traditional stuff. And then uh, we're going to go into London um, and uh, my old haunts and, and run around. Um, but I really want to see the difference of the campus um, now at Oxford compared to what I was in, was it 50, let's see, 54 years ago? Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Um, that was a turning point in my life, by the way. So I got out of my Levittown, Long Island, uh, environment, New York, and I go over to totally different situation. And I had, it was on my own. I mean, I didn't, it's not like now where you, you watch the urchins pretty closely. Back then my, my parents go, I have fun. We'll see you in May. Okay. (laughs) Bye. And you're over there and you're over there. So, and I was with some guys uh, from my college who went with me to uh, spend 30 years abroad. But it, here's why w- it, it's such a good experience for you parents and grandparents who may have kids uh, in high school and uh, freshman, and sophomore college. You meet so many different new people and it takes you out of your comfort zone. And you have to fend for yourself because there's not mom and dad around, it's not your friends around, It's not the comforting of the college chums or the fraternity people. You're there and you gotta gotta negotiate it. And once you accomplish that, then you get more self-confidence. So when I was over there at the University of London, I played hooky a lot, all right? I did fine, I wrote my papers and I did fine. But I went everywhere. I, I had a motorcycle, I just zipped around the continent I went up to Norway. I went down to Morocco I, because I felt that that was much more educational than sitting there watching um, some guy named Simon go, oh, yes. You know, Simon's all right. OK. And I did what I had to do to get through Simon's class. But it wasn't anything like the adventure of driving through the Alps, you know, and, and seeing what Europe is really like from the ground floor. I didn't have any money, so I had to stay in the bed and breakfasts and the hostels and all of that. Now it's more dangerous. Now you can't do what I did anymore. You have to be much more cautious because there's a lot of people floating around and will hurt you over there. Money more drugs over there uh, than there were when I was in England. And the Vietnam War was big over in London when I was there. It was interesting to see how they processed that. Uh, Britain was our ally in uh, the Vietnam War, Um, but There was the same kind of protest and and all that. So anyway, zipping on over uh, the pond, as they call it. Uh, I will be back Tuesday, and we're going to have all kinds of great stuff. So we got two shock and awes that we're going to run. The first one is how to survive the Biden economy. That will be Friday. And then Monday, Columbus Day, we're going to do liberalism in America. These are two shock and awe specials, brand new, probably haven't seen them. Um, so that's Friday and Monday. Uh, we're going to do a best of tomorrow on Thursday, and it'll go fast. And I'll be back here in this chair on Tuesday. In the meantime, we hope you check out uh, membership on BillO'Reilly.com. I'll have messages of the day. I'll have little tweets from abroad. Uh, all of that. So stay close with us. And remember, this election. Everybody says this every time, but boy, is is vital. We're going to have the best election coverage for the next 13 months of anyone in this country. So please consider membership and stay close to us, and we'll see you next Tuesday.